Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Darren Greenwald. And I'm Dennis Jackson. And you're listening to Two. the M3, M3 Minutes. Minutes. This is a show where we talk about M3 and what's going on in the hospitality industry. Today, we have Nick Denman checking into the podcast with us, and he's going to share with us about marketing in the hospitality industry. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Right, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, I'm the marketing manager at M3. And I've been here for going on nine years, but I've been in the marketing industry for over 12, having owned a consultancy uh, outside of M3. And before that, I was in retail politics. And after I got out of that, I was picked up by Cassie Johnson off the street as a vagabond <laughs> and hired at M3. Um, it, it was the best uh, marketing experience that I had for myself professionally was to market myself to Cassie specifically and get the job here. So, oh, well, uh, go ahead and expand on that. You know, how did she pick you up off the street? Uh, I knew face I, down in a gutter. Or? Yeah, well, basically, I knew her husband. <laughs> so I said, "Hey, do you know of anybody looking to hire?" And he, he said, "There's this company called M3. They're small, and at the time, there's only I think five of us in the in the Tampa office, and 20 or 30 up here. And so now we're upwards of 200, and it's been about a decade. So here we are. Nick, what is retail politics? Uh, hand to hand, shaking, shaking hands, going door to door, um, incrementally, street by street, you know, uh, passing the message. I always say you can market anything. Um, in, in politics, it's always a person. And it's probably the only product that uh, can undermine your message just by being itself. <laughs> so. Okay. So is uh, marketing and hospitality uh, different than other industries? Yeah, it is. It's different than, you know, industries that have a product um, because hospitality, you're marketing a service. It's not so much about whether or not it's the fastest bike on the market. It's about how you made somebody feel. And in hospitality, your goal is to create a, a positive consumer experience. And we do something similar to M3, right? Because we know that our customers are, are used to that kind of um, customer service. They, they are used to giving it, they're used to it being expected of them. And so we expect it of ourselves for our customers, right? We wanna do, we wanna provide a good customer experience for them. And so that's what we do. That's kind of a synergy and overlap in our product, which is our software, and then the service industry where we operate. So just in regards to marketing strategies, uh, now that you're part of the marketing team at M3, you know, how do we attack our markets? <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving that away. Um, but <laughs> hey, there's, a, there's a lot of trade secrets there. And, and I read that and actually made a note, don't say anything. Um, but I will say that um, much like our customers, you know, they, they, provide, they focus on service. And we know that they expect that in kind. And so we focus on service as well. Um, we like to provide a genuine and positive customer experience for those folks that use our product. And we put a lot of emphasis on that. You know, our support team here is bigger than support than the entire infrastructure of other product, uh, other companies that, that provide similar products in the marketplace. We have a support structure that is bigger than their entire company. So you can see where the emphasis lies. You know, we want to provide a good product, product, but we want to provide a better customer experience. And that goes hand in hand with our ethos, our motto of always doing the right thing. So, Is marketing 
static or have you seen any recent shifts in marketing? Well, marketing itself hasn't really changed. Um, the, the demographics have changed, right? Where, where people are consuming information and data, that's what's changed. So in the past, you could put your advertisement in a newspaper and you know that you know, 90% of, of Americans read a newspaper. Now there's an entire generation of folks that have never opened a newspaper in their lives. So if 90% of people are getting their information on their cell phone and 10% of them are, are putting that, uh, opening up that newspaper, why would you spend 90% of your marketing dollars on print and 10% of it on digital? So the, the real shift has been where you're allocating resources and where you're trying to spread that message. Um, the other thing that's changed is nobody's reading full articles anymore, right? I mean, people used to read the newspaper. They were used to reading three, four pages of an article. And man, that was a great, great article. Now the average attention span of an online consumer is 15 seconds. So you don't have time to reach out to them and create this, <laughs> this long journey uh, around what your product is. You have to hit them quickly, and that's why the shift has gone from print uh, into video, because it's easy to scroll, it's easy to digest, it's spoon-feeding them your content. Now, uh, being a millennial and watching YouTube videos myself, I have noticed that a lot of ads usually spend the first five seconds doing something insane, whether it's blowing up a car, <laughs> a fire torch, sure. or whatever it is. Is that part of that strategy, is just grasping the attention of something that's extremely short? Sure, sure, sure. In, in, in the consultancy business, um, we always said, you know, uh, dogs and cats matter, everyone else doesn't. So, I mean, we would literally, whatever the product was, if you could have a cat playing with it, it would, it would generate interest because you can track the interest, how long they spent watching it, how many times they clicked on it, did it go to your website. If you put a cat on it, it was 88% higher than if you just had the product itself. People, people don't care about products. They know what's out there. They care about how you position your product. What's the message behind it? Can you make them laugh while they sweep the floors? You know, so, you know, anybody can buy a broom, right? They're all, they're all interchangeable for the most part. So how do you differentiate? It's all about the creative team behind it. And, and that's where I pride myself and my team is, is trying to find creative ways to get a product in front of people and catch their attention. Well, I don't know if you've ever used a left-handed broom. I'll tell you, they're not interchangeable. <laughs> this may I, be. I, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> this may be a little bit off topic. I'm sure you've heard the joke before. How do you tell if a salesman is lying? His lips are moving. <laughs> right. Uh, where do you get your confidence in the M3 product? I mean, how do you feel confident about what you're selling? Well, for me, it, it begins with people. So, I mean, the people that create it, I know, I know where their interest lies, right? So when you walk the halls here and you talk to people and, and, you, see, and you know who they are, I mean, these, in our company specifically, it's, we're all friends and family. We know that there's not a member of our team that's not trying to do their best to make the best product that they can to make lives easier for people in the hospitality industry. So when I have confidence in the company itself, I can have confidence in the product. Now, products are always going to need to be adjusted. They're always going to need to be fixed. They're, you know, if, you're not, if, if your product isn't evolving, you're falling behind. So that struggle is always going to exist. But can I, with confidence, say that you know, we're the best, and best uh, product in the marketplace? I can. Can I say that we've been here the longest? I can. Can I say that the people care? I can. And you can package that message easily to anybody at any time, no matter what you're trying to sell. Just a side note, I'd uh, appreciate it if you would not t 
tell Scott Watson the uh, <laughs> uh, my comment about sales sales and the uh, the lips <laughs> moving. Uh, Scott is our uh, chief sales and marketing officer, and he may not appreciate that. So uh, I'm yeah, sure. yeah, I, I should have left to his defense for my own career longevity. Um, okay. Speaking of we'll, brooms, we'll by the way, I want to go back to that. Nobody, see, you want to talk about marketing shifts. Nobody uses a broom anymore. It's called a Roomba. That is a good dance style. Yeah. Yeah. The Roomba. Do you have one? Yeah, I do. It's actually really good. Yeah, I mean, it shuffles around the house, scares the cats. I thought they usually <laughs> right on top of it. See, see, a good Roomba marketing video would be cats plotting the demise of the Roomba. That would be a good one. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've actually read in business articles that uh, even e sending emails, whether it's intercompany or intercompany or intercompany, that uh, having animals in it increases the readership because mm -hmm. it makes the overall impression of the email, regardless of what is being said, is happier because it's a sure. dog, it's a cat. There's nothing more disarming than a kitten. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, no, even right. little puppers aren't as cute. You've got a kitten? I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> here, here by a left-handed mom. <laughs> that's right. Um, if somebody so, out there, there's a, if somebody lurks the cast, is like, no, that wouldn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you kind of touched on a little bit about the evolution of marketing uh, going from paper to digital and the attention span. You know, what other uh, evolutions have you seen? Uh, just, just video. I mean, just video is everything right now uh, you know and, and there's kind of been three phases of, of digital marketing at first it was who could make the most creative post yeah, that was great then it was who could put the most creative picture with their post and get that information across and that was great for a while and now everything is video and and, and then it was you know could it be a minute long video and then it became can you condense it into 30 seconds and now it's 15 seconds so the the best way to get a message to go viral on the internet is that a 15 second video. That's crazy. I mean, that, that presents a challenge for all marketing teams everywhere. I mean, you know, you've seen obviously how long I can talk about M3, we're sitting here and we're doing it. Now to, to take that message and punch it into 15 seconds and catch somebody's eye and still tell them what the product is and how much it costs and how it will benefit them, you, you understand the challenge. So it, it becomes more of, more of how can you hook somebody versus how can you relay the message. And if you can hook them and then reroute them to a place where there's better, longer, more involved messaging, mm -hmm. then you're on the right path. And so, so it becomes like this game of leaving breadcrumbs to the ultimate message that you want to get to them or hitting them with so many 15-second videos that if you put them all together, creates your full message. You know? Gotcha. Well, that actually was about to go. My next point is you know, the advertisements uh, to your point, are extremely short to capture them, but it, mm -hmm. you know, there's tons of videos out there that are 20 minutes, 40 minutes long. Sure. So, as part of a sales funnel or a marketing strategy, where does the longer videos drop into that type of leading the breadcrumb trail? Yeah, in the middle, towards uh, you know, getting ready to buy. So you you kind of it's, it's it's almost like you're serving up a six course dinner, and and I, I say six course because they, the, they, the conventional wisdom in marketing is you need to hit people six times before they actually pay attention to what it is you're talking about. So you have to have six different touch points and then they start to pay attention. So the first one, obviously, you can do something like you can hit them with an email. You can uh, then hit them with an infographic. Then you can ramp it up to that 15 second video and then that 15 second video might even link to the full 20 minute video. You, you, you like this, here's the 20 minute video. And then 
ultimately though the goal is still the same you have to route them to either where they can purchase it on your website or to a sales rep who can give them the information that they need so we're, we're still doing similar things some, some of the old school strategies still work but the battlefields changed you know and now and now everything's so online so incubated and in whether or not you can catch their eye that video then becomes king most people would not consider me young, but I consider myself cutting edge when it comes to social media. I, I constantly use FaceBank and Instagram. Um, how is uh, M3? Snapgram. No, what? How do you see uh, the advantage of those that that social social media uh, in regard to the M3 marketing strategy? Do we really have the people that make decisions using those applications? Sure, we do. And, and you know, again, it, it's, it's about evolving demographics, right? So, you know, if, if the average age of a, of, a, of a company owner is 70, then probably not. But their, you know, EVP might be, and the person who's going to be in charge, you know, next might be. Uh, the, the thing about social media, which makes it amazing and yet also terrifying, is that you can spread your message very quickly. As a company, you can, you can accumulate your followers, people that use your product, and you can directly market to them, you know, specifically your user, your, your community that you've cultivated. However, whenever something goes wrong, your community can communicate with each other. <laughs> so, you know, for instance, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use this as, there's two good examples I have. One is, uh, you know, it, was, it actually ended up being a great uh, social media usage for a company is I, I had a flight just completely canceled uh, by Spirit Airlines. Why was I flying Spirit? You might ask. To save money. To save money, <laughs> <laughs> and it and it was completely canceled. They just they, they, I'm sitting there at the gate, and there uh, the, the plane's not here, and it's like five in the afternoon. But there's not going to be a plane until tomorrow, and I'm like, what? So I, I caught Delta. Always fly Delta, and and went home. You know, about an hour later. But I still had the matter of the refund, right? That you know that I was owed, and then also I was irate <laughs> because it just isn't fair, you know. And so I messaged Spirit. I was thinking to myself, maybe I should go on Twitter and and do the tweets about this, you know, and then raise a ruckus, <laughs> you know, pitchforks and and all that. But instead, I, I went straight to Spirit and 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 I and I DM'd them. I slid into their DM. And I said, hey, this is what happened. This was my reservation number. This is my name. And they got back to me with, a, with an apology and that the money was being put back into my account and a voucher. And I was like, wow, see, what they did there was great because if they hadn't gotten back to me, I would have for sure gone onto Twitter with my 30,000 followers and raised a ruckus about how terrible Spirit Airlines is if I was willing to admit that I flew them because I wanted to save money. <laughs> so, so well, only it, everybody that listens to this podcast will know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. And the, and the other, the other one that, that I'd like to use an example is I had a buddy who went to a taco place and he, the food was cold. And he told me, I'm going to go on Yelp and leave a review. And he goes on Yelp and leaves this review. And the manager hops on. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be great. He's probably going to deal with it. But instead, 
they went back and forth. Capital Taco and my buddy Sammy went back and forth. Capital Taco saying the food's always warm, him saying it wasn't. And then the manager said, you know, you showed up with a bad attitude here when you got here. <laughs> and it became like this. There's like 10 messages. I've never been to Capital Taco. I probably won't go, right? Just because it was a poor usage of social media. So social media presents unique opportunities and, and critical failure points for a business. You just have to be smart about how you're going to go about it. That actually was something I find interesting because uh, it's getting to the point now where I almost don't trust the ratings uh, mm. because you're gaming a system, right? Everybody sure. understands it's a five-star thing. You know, there's tons of websites out there. You can just hire people to go out there and throw up 300 five stars or mm. to, you know, take down competition and all that. So, you know, in regards to your strategy and marketing, how do those ratings actually affect, you know, both a brand and or a customer's decisions? Because like in that example, you sure. saw you saw one, you know, back and forth. But when a customer or a, when a company has thousands of reviews, you know, you can sort by the sure. least happy you know, <laughs> right. if you're feeling to be in that mood and be like, wow, this place is awful. Right. Or if you're feeling good, you know, so you, you, we actually kind of control the ratings that we want to see, I think almost subconsciously. So I'm curious from a marketing standpoint, how you see that. Right. So 80% of all online users, you know, if, whether or not they're getting a hotel room or they're going to go out for dinner, check out the reviews on the website first. They check out whether it's Amazon for the product or Yelp for the restaurant or Expedia for the, for the you know the hotel whatever they they go online and they check, but I think there is a healthy skepticism there you know they they want to know that that those good reviews are there, but more importantly they want to see what happens when there's a bad review what does the what does the management and staff what do they do to rectify the situation because I'll tell you what even though 80% of them check 70% of them are more likely to go ahead and, and go to a three or four star place if it looks like it was handled correctly online so you know we, we can bury our head in the sand and say well we don't trust it but the plain fact of the matter is that's just where people are going and that's how they're trying to generate whether or not they're going to go eat there and or, or stay there you know if it's, a, if it's a hotel so we can only control what we can control, and that's how we handle reviews here, and, and, and we take every one of them seriously. Because you never know which one is the one that's going to either prevent you from getting business, or if you handle it correctly, be that word of mouth that gets you your next bit of business. Do you think brand integrity can soften the blow of a bad review? For example, if I see a bad review on a Marriott hotel, I have to first think, well, I know Marriott, they're pretty good. They're very standard. You you know what to expect from Marriott. I just it's hard to believe that there would be a bad review. But do you see any relationship between the brand integrity and? Uh, I do, I do, I do, I, I do think that um, you know that's why we do all the things that we do here at M three with you know our podcasts and you know our, our our social media presence and you know the the thought leadership programs that we enter into to provide value to our customers. We do all of that stuff to strengthen our own brand. So that way, if an issue arises, people have the whole story to take a look at, not just that, that, that microcosm of an event that occurred that put a bad taste in somebody's mouth. And so what we do here is similar to what other big brands do. You know who's really got it down pat is Hilton. Hilton's got it. I mean, they have a Hilton app. And before you even check out, they ask you to review. Why do they do that? Because that, that, that app also links to their front desk person. So when you walk downstairs, 
if you left a bad review, the front desk person can handle it right then and there before you leave the premises. That's fantastic. Before I'm even done with my flight, if I use Expedia, Expedia has already sent me an email that, that hits me when I land to ask me how my flight was. Right? So people are they're, they're getting wise to how to control the messaging. And, and, and you know, places like Hilton and, and, and big brands like Expedia, not only are they able to rely on the strength of their brand integrity, they're also finding ways to deal with the issue before it spreads. And if you can do that, you're probably better off. Cool. And uh, I like what you did there. I saw the, the Marriott sneak in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very well done. I, had, I, felt, like I, I felt like I had to go to Hilton just <laughs> he to offset. He did mention Hilton, I noticed. Off, yeah. Just to offset. <laughs> he offset my Marriott yeah, comment. Exactly. We're, we're, we're equal opportunity <laughs> product <laughs> providers. <laughs> um, so kind of going back to the generations a little bit, you know, you were talking about video is the future. Yeah. You were talking about different age ranges. Um, pretty much cultural backgrounds, you know, how, how do you curtail the messaging to those different types of factors? Sure. I mean, it, you still have to fight everywhere. Uh, and one of my big things is never cede the battleground. I mean, if, if competition is going to market there, then we probably should too, as long as it makes some sort of sense. But it, it's a dollar shift, right? So like I said before, if 10% of the demographic is in a newspaper, we probably should only be spending 10% of our money and time there. If 90% of them are digital, well, then we should be focusing on digital. But you have to definitely be everywhere. You, you can't pretend like 10% of the market doesn't exist. Who wants to just give up 10% of any market? That's just bad business. So, so we'll, we'll take the fight anywhere we can, um, you know, and, and we'll look for emerging places to market uh, in the future. Because who knows, maybe holograms are next, and we're going to have a big hologram of, of Dennis Jackson standing in living rooms talking that about how great. That would be great. <laughs> how would great. Be, I great. think we'd get a lot of followers on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, I'm not getting into product placement too deep here, I hope. And you mentioned this a little bit at the first of the podcast, but let me ask you this question. What makes the M3 set of products easy to market <laughs> that's sort of a loaded question but well it, it's easy to market anything that sells itself in that right so if you're looking at a product and it costs x amount of dollars and you can show a correlation that if you spend 10 you get 100 people will buy that every time i mean if if, if they have to spend 10 dollars to save 100 in in, the, in their final revenue total why wouldn't they do that and products like m like M3 offers, you know, the accountant, accountancy backend, accounting core, and and um, and things that provide actionable insight, like insight. Um, you know, these things have a, an actual value for a company. So at the end of the day, they could say, well, look, if I had to spend X amount of dollars, you know, hiring and 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 paying more accountants, or I could have a software that makes it easy for me, they can do the math. You know they've got a they've got a CFO in there that says okay, I'm going to spend you know 400 bucks a month, but I'm not going to probably you know I'm probably also going to not spend an extra four thousand dollars a month by hiring another accountant, you know whatever it may be, or you know it's it, it can be the same amount same amount of accountants but better efficiencies, and efficiencies are the hidden hidden dollars right that everybody's looking to. Uh, bring back to the bottom line so everybody can get a bigger Christmas bonus. So, you know, that, that's, all, that's all part of it. I think M3 Professional Services is one reason I feel confident that we can instill 
confidence, you know, in potential customers. Mm. We are our own customer. Right. We don't only use uh, the accounting core application, but ourselves, but, you know, we use it on behalf of some of the professional services clients. So we know exactly what all the issues are. Uh, we know best practices, but we have, I feel like we have that strength in our own company that we're a user too. We're not just marketing it. We're not just selling it, but we're also using it. Do you see that as? I do. And, and, and the thing is, especially at M3, there's, there's a wealth of knowledge here. I mean, just from the, the, the various backgrounds that people have been in the industry for decades, um, you know, and, and so they've seen what's out there, right? And, and they know that using our product in this scenario, it makes their lives easier. So when, when they're using it, they can easily turn around to, to a customer and say, you know what, we use it. We're not trying to lose money, you know, here either. So, you know, we're not trying to lose efficiency. We wouldn't use it ourselves. So, so we, you know, when you are the primary and first user, and and you and you identified the hole in the marketplace to make life easier, that's really what it all comes down to. Can I tell you and look you in the eye that this product's going to make your life easier? And and we can do that. And like I said earlier, we can sell that every day. It's very easy for us. So you've mentioned a couple of times about you know travel booking sites like Expedia, and something that I hear a lot from hoteliers in the industry is that you know ever since kind of the internet came out. Uh, the average, pretty much ADR, has dropped because there's so much competition now. Everybody can go to one place and see everything, where mm -hmm. before it was branded. You know, they went to Hilton.com. So, you know, how does social media marketing or just marketing in general help the hotel industry, to the point that you made, get more hidden dollars back into their bottom line? Sure, it's about cultivating your community. Um, you know, like you said, brand loyalty is probably an all-time low. You go where the best deal is, um, especially people that are perusing Expedia and, and you know Orbitz and all of that. They're looking for the best deal for their money, right? How, how high of a star can I get and still only spend 88 bucks, right? Everyone's got their threshold. But using social media to cultivate your community, to, to accumulate your you know, 100,000 people that have stayed at your hotel over the years, you can tell them about your deals or your specials or the events that would draw them in. In the past, you'd go like, what, you'd open up the penny saver and see what's kind of going on. You know, where's the coupon, you know? Nobody does anymore. And and using social media, you can provide all of that information direct to the consumer. So, and you can get their feedback if they don't like it. <laughs> Do you feel like the frequent traveler programs at each brand, they're trying to nullify that shopping around for the best deal that if they get you in those frequent traveler programs that you're just... You're, you're just going to stay with that one brand. You won't be shopping around as much. Do you think that has any impact? I think it keeps me at the at the at the at the hotels that have those right. So you know your Hiltons, your Marriotts, you know your your career points, and it probably keeps me going to like you know I guess the big three mm -hmm. outside of the others. Um, personally, I, I do know that there's some people that say, "Oh, I'll never have enough points to really do anything. I don't travel that much," right? So those guys, they're looking for they're looking for the cheapest one, you know, cheapest slash cleanest room, best internet. <laughs> you know, when it, uh, you kind of mentioned uh, VSLs and mark or uh, just email marketing in general, but you know, what about 
kind of a trend that I've seen lately, uh, just in the marketing industry in general, but you know, webinars, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see them. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, you're, when you finally get somebody engaged, there's automated webinars um, mm. in order to make it seem like they're actually part of something bigger, you know, and actually part of a community instead of just watching a cold video that they're looking at. Have you, right. Have, has M3 used any of that technique or what have you seen in regards to the future of marketing? No, I, I still think your your best bet is to get a hold of a live person because the questions are going to be answered on the spot. Um, you're going to, you're going to know that you're still just watching a video. I mean, they can gussy it up any way they want. If if you don't have an interactive relationship with the presenter, it's, it's it, it might as well just be a video, even if it's a live presenter. Um, M3 is really good about making sure that folks have a live interaction. Um, you know, our free webinars are, are monthly. There's a multitude of them for basically any module you want to learn about. And if you're marketing effectively, you continue to do those things because as soon as you lose sight of the fact that it's about people and relationships, especially in the hospitality business, you might, you're, you're on a sinking ship and you might want to get off and see if you can find a door to hang on to and not drown, you know? Like the so, Titanic. Like the Titanic. <laughs> I still think two people could have fit on that door. I still think so, too. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, yeah she, she just kind of pushed them off. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, this is what it was. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any good marketing jokes? No, it's very serious business. I told a good marketing <laughs> joke. Do we actually need more? I got two for you. All right, I see you Googling. I see before. you scrolling. I have. Uh, <laughs> marketing jokes is not my forte, but I'm going to work on them. If so. it doesn't fit on the back of a popsicle stick, I don't, I don't care. These are one-liners. Okay. <laughs> so it will make it easier. So what does the new Chips Ahoy marketing director do on their first day of the job? Uh, what? They enable cookies. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> And cookies are what help track. Yes, yes. Yeah, you want to tell our, our <laughs> no, you tell them. a little bit? <laughs> cookies are just a way to help track and uh, the user's experience when you go to a website. There was a law passed probably in the last year. You see a lot of those kind of toast menus pop up saying, hey, this website uses cookies. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of accept the message. Uh, it's a big part in marketing for them to just be able to understand the user's interactions save some yeah. of the website setting, so on and so forth. To that end, I get, I get paranoid when I'm looking for uh, airline tickets mm -hmm. because I feel like if I looked on Tuesday and didn't buy, that they're going to raise the price on Wednesday because they have a cookie that knows I looked. Mm -hmm. So I delete all my cookies <laughs> when I check for airline fare. And it seems to work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, uh, what's your opinion on retargeting? I think it's, it's crucial. Um, you know, anytime you can, you know, take a segment of the population that already has a piece of your message and then bring it back around and hit them again, it's all one out of those six times I was mentioning, right? Is it another opportunity to get in front of them, so. I went to the Keebler website the other day just to oh, check yeah. them out and uh, they said they used cookies and I was like, duh. <laughs> um, does that qualify as a joke? I just yeah, sort of made that up. That's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty I didn't good. even have to look at a phone to get that joke. That's pretty good. Okay. Write a book. I'll market it. <laughs> <laughs> first, first place we'll go to is Toll, toll House. <laughs> and you can call it. Why did the marketer get off the trampoline? Why is that? <laughs> because uh, he was worried about their bounce rate. Uh, yeah, you definitely want to have a low bounce rate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> low well, as you can. Well, do you have any closing remarks for us, Nick? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, I would say that we can do all of these things, and they're all very important. But um, the most important thing is just to to continue to always try to do the right thing for your customers, and and the rest of it will kind of take care of itself. As soon as you lose sight of that, it could be a problem. Um, I'm confident at M3 that 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 will never be an issue. It is a part of the culture here, and I think it will be a part of the culture here for the next 10 years. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you having with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for coming back and joining us for our second season. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and our SoundCloud. We release new episodes at the end of every month, so be sure to come back and listen for more. You can also follow us on our social media platforms. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our handle is M3Accounting. That's M as in Mary, the number three, and then the word accounting. As always, here's to your success. And thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next month.